Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNEWS35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hello and welcome to the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. This is episode number 107. I know this because I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and because someone really much smarter than I am, editor-in-chief Josh Rayner, he uh, he puts that top the news list for me, because I'll forget, because that's just how it goes sometimes. Thankfully, also to help keep me on track, I am joined by the amazing, the wondrous, the soon-to-be host of Fashion Flicky. You know him as Brad Flicky. <laughs> how you doing, man? Hey, I'm hanging in. How you doing? I hope everybody is doing well who is listening. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Lots of news um, today. I think your phone might be getting hacked, so just heads up. You got a little fuzzy right as you were coming on, like literal, like wah, wah, wah. I was like, right, yeah. "Is this the moment? Are, are we being? Are we being? Is something happening? Have is we this, have we gotten uh, close to the truth? Is uh, this better? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're fine. It was just that moment, uh, like as you were talking, oh, somebody did this, like, and I'm like, wow. Given we're comics fans, it would be really easy to make numerous comic references right now like superman movie zod hacking all technology to communicate the message who knows what could be coming through maybe it's because we're tapping into a flash story and you know how when we've got flash stories there's always the chance that something's going on the speed force the multiverse who who, who knows the omniverse exactly now the omniverse because of course yes the multi to the omni i mean pick pick your pleasure uh brad just pointed out too we have an amazing list of uh, news stories to cover with you so i can ramble or we can just dive right in and since i see you invisibly shaking your heads for me to just dive right in i'm gonna do that and <laughs> start things off with an announcement we have regarding uh, a gentleman who you might have heard of re- recently I- i'm not saying it was too recently but but there's a possibility this gentleman named Zack snyder and he's got this Justice League cut. You might have heard us mention it. I don't know, like every once in a while it comes up. But there's a new trailer. And Brad, I'm sure you have thoughts. <laughs> I will say this. My favorite part of the trailer, which seems to be a lot of people's favorite part, is the very end when we see Jared Leto's Joker. And it is really fun to see the... You know, the court of public opinion changed so quickly. Uh, you know, as much as they couldn't stand the Joker from, you know, the Suicide Squad, they really kind of warmed to this version of that same Joker. So it's kind of obvious uh, what people didn't like about the Joker was the look. And because the look is a lot different with the long hair. And uh, he used the whole in a society 
from you know from all the memes so that that got people all excited as well but um yeah um i my favorite part was the joker but the whole as a whole the um trailer was great and i am super psyched for the for the uh for the snyder cut uh just a few weeks away at this point uh, what was your take it's a great trailer and the the joker scene that everyone's talking about you know the, the thing that sticks with me is that if you think about how many times we've all seen the joker appear in comics and go ahead just think for a minute and picture every different time he's appeared in every different story does he always look the same no does he always change some version? Yes. Is there always a creative force representing what they think the Joker? And it, it always changes. It's like the guy's constantly experiencing different phases of a personality that express, you know, the mania and, the, you know, the, the rage in whatever way he wants to. And sometimes it's just about processing the character. And I felt like in Suicide Squad, you, you can rip it for all the reasons you want about what you don't like about the appearance. But this is a Joker that's rarely consistent. I mean, there are comic versions that we love that are iconic, whether it's the wide brim hat, the well, you know, well dressed or whether it's more the leather sort of jacket and, and sleeker hairstyler, whichever version you prefer. They all seem to be manifestations of this psyche that, that always presents itself, however it's feeling. And it doesn't really care what you think about how it, how he looks. <laughs> and what I loved about this version of the Joker is it seemed like it, it it's another phase of him, one that's much more mature, one that's older and has seen more, but still has the evidence, I think, to an extent of that previous version because they all compile the Joker. So for me, that scene was just sort of a great reminder of how many different ways the Joker can and will appear and how many different ways we're going to experience him. But Clearly, the court of fan opinion definitely loves this version much more. And, I mean, you got to be impressed with Zack Snyder coming out of this smelling like roses. Like, the man is kind of untouchable right now. You know, he's become very iconic. And it's almost like this could be uh, so much gold that everything he does afterwards is just seen as visionary. You know what I mean? When someone reaches that caliber and suddenly you're always just referring to them as like, the visionary. They're just, and he, he's making a great case, which I think more people now will get a chance to experience because we also have to add on to that story, the announcement that Zack Snyder's Justice League will be released worldwide alongside its U.S. launch. So the U.S. launch is going to feature HBO Max as its launching platform on uh, March 18th. But there is also news that HBO Europe, HBO Asia, HBO Go, premium video on demand are all going to be providing the option for those in the international community. What do you think about this little add on to the story? Man? Oh, man, I'm so happy for Steve <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> him being in the UK, he was he, we, we talked about this on last week's podcast Um you know, that he he wasn't sure how he was going to get to see it. But now, even though we don't necessarily have the exact details, we do know that it will be will be coming. So and that's good, because another thing that Steve and I talked about was the fact that UK is the second largest market for American comics out there. So the fact that they didn't have a set way 
for people in UK to watch it was pretty ridiculous. So I'm glad that those details will be released soon. And, you know, China, one part about the story is that we still not sure about China, France and Japan. And those seem like they could be possibly big markets, too. So hopefully, especially China. So hopefully we'll hear some confirmation about those and, you know, in the days and uh, week, I guess, to come. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that everybody's going to be getting to see this. So good, good. Uh, what was your take? Of course, happy for Steve. I almost feel guilty uh, when we talk about stories that have to do with DC Universe, which is, you know, now taken on its new iteration. But other other things that we could experience here and that he or say, uh, you know, from DC Comics News, also Derek McDeal, who's in Canada, would sometimes not have access to or or would have access to. But Steve couldn't get to. And and as far as that whole uh, second market for uh England, I, I would have to say that at least one third of the market of Batman properties has to be contributed to by uh, Steve J. Ray himself, I would imagine. I can't say for certain, uh, <laughs> but I, I would say he's potentially responsible. Would you would you hazard that as, you know, a fair bet to uh, to wager? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know there was that slim chance you might have been able to hop on with us today. So, Steve, I know you'll be listening and I'm sure you can let us know. Whether or not that's close to factually true without, of course, getting yourself in trouble with family, spouse or any others who might say, how much money did are they saying you spend? Uh, because, you know, I mean, a nerd's budget really should always be private. It's just it's a personal thing. It's a collector thing. Like, leave the man alone. And with that, why not move into a story that works so well with the concept of collecting? It is now news that we can share with you amazon and best buys wonder woman 1984 or ww84 both blu-ray and 4k steelbook details have been released are you a collector trust me you're going to want to turn up the volume for this one especially when you start hearing prices like 29.99 39.99 and all the details brad and i are about to break down for you brad you're first up yeah, this, this is, uh, these bonus features are really, they're going to be fun. So I, I think that this will be a selling point for a lot of people. Um, we got the making of Wonder Woman, expanding the wonder, uh, an HDR presentation of the film, Gal and Kristen, Friends Forever. That should be fun. Uh, we get scene studies of the mall and the open road. And I'm really interested in the open road because, you know, I, I got such a vibe of the truck chase scene in Raiders, and I'm sure that they will talk about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that. Nice. Uh, the Dolby audio track, meet the Amazons, Gal and Chrissy having fun, which is, I'm assuming, that little music video that they shot, which I hope it is because that deserves a like 4K presentation. Uh, gag reel, a black gold infomercial. So. A retro, and I wonder what this is about, the Wonder Woman 1984 retro remix. That should be interesting. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fun bonus features here that I think will uh, bring a lot of people on board to pick this up on disc. Uh, what was your take? A lot of fun stuff to uh, to dig through here, man. I'm, I I can't remember now, but I, I, I thought it was the Friends Forever was that kind of music video that they released a little while back. Remember that one where it was like, Gal and Kristen. Yeah, that's the one I thought was having fun. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, that's one of those two. So now yeah. I'm kind of caught up like, okay, which one is the video and what's the other one? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's a lot of fun. Gag reel, always a good time. I mean, these two just from that. Yeah, I think you're right. It might have been the having fun then. Um, when they were making that video, just seemed to really have great camaraderie, just, you know, great chemistry. That's the word you always hear, right? And they just seem to be enjoying each other's presence so much and sort of playing off of each other, um, which which is pretty cute. You know, the thing that catches me about The Open Road is not only did it remind me, it, it felt like it was pulling uh, from two movie uh, sources. One that's a classic, which is the Indiana Jones you referenced, and also two, the more recent kind of instant classic, which was... Uh, Oh, with, uh, what's her name playing Furiosa? Mad Max. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, especially with the explosion and her launching over the vehicles that way. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely got vibes of that. Um, yeah. what else? Uh, the, the black gold infomercial is, infomercial is gonna be hilarious just cause, you know, Pedro Pascal, like, really, <laughs> life is good, but it can be bad. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, he really sells that. So I, I would love that. And with the retro remix, the thing that catches me the most is, A, it would be fun if it was something kind of audio, but B, it would be great if they took scenes from the movie and showed them how they would have been shot in 1984 based on Yeah, that's what I was actually. hoping it was. That's what right? I'm hoping like, it is. Wouldn't that yeah. be, like, I totally got scenes of, and I know this is a reference to a film that is not in DC and also probably not, you know, as much for the PG, but... I definitely got flashes. Oh, actually, I'm going to pull it to a PG one. Whew, had a moment there. I wasn't sure if I could make it happen. Doom Patrol. When they had the uh, the buddy cop sort of trailer with Cyborg and Robot Man. Oh, right, right. That's yeah, what I would yeah. love it to be an 80s sort of take on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I was about yeah, to try and absolutely. use something from another movie, and I thought, you know, that's not an appropriate movie for me to use on this show. So glad I was able to pull that one. Somewhere like digging from my teeth. I don't know when I chewed that one up, but uh, yeah, great details. And if you're a collector, it sounds like this is something you're going to want to add to that collection. Brad, you're a collector. Is this something you see uh, joining your collection soon? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, folks, uh, you got it right there. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we've got. One, we've got news for the collectors. Two, we've got news that's been letting us know about all the excitement that is just, <laughs> I mean, I swear every episode we talk about Zack Snyder and every episode it's like, man, batting a thousand, just crushing it, right? Yeah. On the, on the flip side though, it's nice to have all of that good because we got to balance out with the fact that the long expected and highly anticipated the Batman has experienced yet another COVID delay. What could it be this time? Well, I'm going to send it down towards Brad first and then around towards me next, which is even lower, but it gets more fun. Brad, what was your take on this announcement? How did you feel about the details? You know, it's funny that you brought up Snyder and how we've been talking about, you know, about him, the Snyder Cut, every week. Because it seemed like back, you know, last summer uh, around fandom, in the weeks after that we were talking a lot about the Batman uh, once production started up and, you know, it got delayed. And here we are. The first story we get in a while is unfortunately bad news. It looks like the production will be shut down uh, for at least 10 days while they go through a COVID um, 
quarantine because these the stunt double for Robert Pattinson uh, tested positive. So, you know, it's just one of those things. You got to be safe. So we'll take it. I just hope that that they um, that this doesn't delay the release date, because I think we're all after seeing that trailer, we're all dying to see this. So uh, I hope everybody's safe. And, uh, you know, I hope that, you know, everybody comes back and they get things rolling and we can see this, uh, see this on time. So, you know, at the, at the end of the day, safety comes first. So I just hope everybody's uh, okay. Uh, what was your take on this? It's a little interesting for me because when I'm first reading it, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so this is going to be a delay and we'll have to see how much it impacts. But then as I'm working through this story, by the time you get through like uh, the third or uh, fourth paragraph, they mention that not only is the uh, is the announcement that, you know, his stunt double had tested positive, but then it said uh, only three days before that, um, you know, Pattinson had tested positive. But then it goes on to say that since there have been all of the delays up to this point, the release had been pushed from October 2021 to March 2022. And then once you jump down like another paragraph, it says, but fortunately for fans, it doesn't seem like this latest setback will actually delay production any further. The film was scheduled to wrap filming in March, and it looks like they're still going to hit that target. So um, that's, I'm hopeful that, that's that, good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it feels like just, it feels like at first it was like, oh, yeah, there's a delay. But now it feels like there was a delay, but it's still not going to get in the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I just I think I'm I'm a little more cynical than you with your piece of hope <laughs> on your chest. I was like, I they, they say that, but I don't I, I don't know if that's going to end up happening. So, yeah, I mean, that that is good. And I hope that 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 can, you know that can't happen because i really you know the fact that we are a little over a year to wait for it i mean that's that'll go by fast but still i don't want it to get pushed back anymore no definitely not i i definitely don't either i just felt that there was you know sort of a a, a change in tone in the story from the beginning yeah, which seemed yeah, very definitely. clearly to say there was a delay to then almost reference it as it was a delay that's being reported on as an after the fact. And yet somehow, despite that, uh, they soldiered on and we're still on track. You know, that yeah. was the sort of weird thing that I wanted to point out is that it felt like that way yeah. at first. And then it feels like later it changes. So uh, I would say if you get a chance, take a look out there. Tell us what you're finding. Tell us what you're seeing and tell us what you're interpreting, because we're just two voices. And the best thing is when we're having a conversation with the rest of you. Uh, remember, we let you all the way or let you know all the ways at the end how to do that. But I, I, I'm curious to hear what others have to say, because I feel like this is a story you could, you know, pull apart and find a lot of different things inside. Now, one story that seems to have no ambiguity whatsoever is the recent announcement that Sasha Kaye, I hope I'm saying that name correctly, I believe so, uh, flies into the Flash film with the recent announcement from Andy Muschietti that she has been cast as Supergirl. Uh, Brad, what was your take, my friend? Everybody, please go and watch that little video of him telling her that she got the role. <laughs> uh, it is so sweet and great and everybody needs to see that to brighten up their day uh it was yeah it was very touching and uh you know i'm so i'm, I'm glad that 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 supergirl is going to be in the flash movie um it, and i think that 
one of the reasons is is just how good they were together in uh, in the CW shows when they would team up. Um, uh, to me, that's where that all starts. And maybe I'm missing some good comic stories, but that that's my immediate reference. And they were, you know, so much fun to watch them interact. So I hope that, you know, we can continue that with this. And, oh, man, it's the DC on film is back in a big way. And it's so much fun to watch this thing come together because uh, and you being such a big Flash fan, I'm sure you're excited as well. But uh, I'm really psyched for the for the Flash movie. And uh, what was your take? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so completely, yes. Um, especially because, you know, up until the end of Death Metal, we were talking about what the Flash movie could offer for the multiverse. But you corrected me earlier, well done, by the way, about the concept of that we now live in a DC universe that has an omniverse. Who says the movie can't touch on that, too? Right? And who says we can't? you know, visit some really interesting worlds. And what if this is just the tip of the iceberg? Like, okay, we've got a Supergirl um, character in there, which I think is awesome because I love the possibility of this being part of something else. Like, one, listen to what Brad said. Go and watch this video clip. I'm sure all you have to do is type in her name. And since there's a strong chance I mispronounced it, uh, Sasha is her first name, last name C-A-L-L-E. You type that in with Andy Muschietti, you just type in that in Supergirl and look for the video. And it is a really lovely exchange where he asks her the best question, which is, do you know how to fly? And the exchange that follows is just really sweet, just absolutely sweet. And after watching that exchange, seeing her, you know, just raw charisma, I thought to myself, so would we see this actor in a Supergirl movie? Would we have a, a new Supergirl to have other stories to build on? Because, man, as you pointed out, we saw great chemistry in the CW. I, I love, you know, what uh, Melissa Benoist was able to do for the character on the CW show. I think there's still a lot of desire for Supergirl as character uh, on screen. And if it's not going to be immediately in television, let's see what the film options are. And I also love that this is just, as I mentioned way back when I started rambling on this, I don't know how long ago, uh, the Flash can open up so many doors that she could be one of many characters we get to enjoy, get to share. And I, I just love the concept of seeing how she's going to fit into this story, because there's also a lot of connections that characters who have struggled with loss, identity, and also uh, how that affects them and their power. You know, I mean, Supergirl, uh, <laughs> she's a powerful figure, but as so often has been referenced, even in recently in like the future state, she's not someone that people immediately tie to with the same sort of reverence that they have for Superman or Superboy. And it, it would be great to see her shine. It would be great to see these two characters engage on screen. I could probably ramble for a lot longer about this, but we also have a huge ton of stories to get through. So uh, <laughs> this is one of those ones that I hope other fans are talking about. I hope if you're listening to this right now, you're chatting it up with your other DC Comics fans and you're going to talk with us more about it. Uh, you have any other thoughts before we shift on? Brad? Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the idea of, 
Supergirl and the multiverse, omniverse, you know, through this movie. Cause I was trying not to get my hopes up about that because I would love to see that too. I think there's so many cool possibilities with ways to interconnect everything that's going on between right. the shows, the comics, and, yeah. and that's just a perfect opportunity. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. And you that, know what? You never have said. to worry about getting your hopes up with me, man. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> I will get your hopes up all on my own. <laughs> no assistance needed. <laughs> um, but happily joined, man. So, you know, let's get our hopes up. Let's get let's just get a little bit excited about the possibility because I love it. I'm, I'm really juiced for it. And I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, so we have one more movie news story we're going to send your way. And it's the announcement that we have another casting, but for an unnamed character for the upcoming Black Adam movie. Um, I was really intrigued by uh, the announcement. I'm trying to think of all the characters that this uh, actor could potentially portray. And while I'm still trying to work through my list, I'm going to go ahead and see what Mr. Brad Felicki has to say. Brad, your thoughts, my friend? Now, it said he was going to be the villain, I believe, which is intriguing. Um, this is another one of those films, though, that is kind of fun from our point of view, where we talk about news every week, watching it come together and reporting everything we hear, uh, because we have a lot of cast announcements, but we're not sure exactly who all of them are playing. We're going to see the Justice Society. So it is it's really fun to watch this come together and hopefully we'll get some more confirmation on who's playing what. But, you know. And the idea of him playing a villain, um, I, I'm going to kind of leave that up to you. To, to you know, if you think you have any theories on who he might be playing. So, what was what was your take on this? So, on this one, I was I was caught by a couple of things. There's the um, there's the immediate, which is uh, I think you know, just seeing his picture, I thought to myself, wow, this guy looks like he's got real personality real charisma like you know there, there's a feeling that can come off from a photo where you feel like the person is projecting a lot of themselves into that moment like they're aware the camera's on them and they just sort of like turn it up and in the shot he just you know like i saw the picture and i was like wow that guy looks just like someone who uh i would want to watch i i guess you know like uh uh there's something reflected just in what i saw in that that, that caught my attention that was the first thing the next was, OK, so one with Black Adam, you, you've got a couple of, you know, fun ideas. There was the new 52, you know, possibility of uh, of uh, Isis and then her brother ended up befriending a uh, reptilian figure. So I wondered if this could be the voice of that. But then when I saw his face, I thought, no, maybe not. And then I started just going through a list of characters that we haven't seen. For some reason, my brain pulled the warp. I don't know why. Like, that was just one of the first ones I saw in my head. But then I was thinking I would like to see someone a little bit more um, prominent as far as a, as a character. And when they mentioned villain, I've just been trying to run my head through uh, villains who might exist in that area. I even started pulling a little bit from uh, Global Guardians and trying to run through, like, okay, yeah. no, I don't know if I'd cast him as Jack-O-Lantern, but there were a couple of Global Guardian characters who I felt like he might fist yeah, yeah. fit, and I want to go through the list of those later. We're going to quickly add just, you know, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but Josh has been pulling this list together of some breaking, and we got this right before we went on air, decided to have a lot of fun with just, like, taking these at face value. So I guarantee I'm going to want to, you know, after this call, 
hop off and look some of these uh, people up, try and go through lists of old villains, sort of just sort of see if I can, you know, have some fun with this because it's it's a great puzzle project. Right. Like where would this where would this face fit with this comic book character and which character sort of matches up well or what's a character we know that kind of, you know, mucked it up a little bit with the Justice Society. That might be a great return. And then um, I also see him and I immediately think of uh, Ramakan, which is just for some reason like an immediate place that I go to as far as like classic villains. We saw him in the CW recently. Uh, I love the character as far as conceptually. I just don't know how that character would fit into a story with Black Adam and the Justice Society. You know what I mean? He was more of a Justice League story. But uh, so, yeah, those were a couple of the places I went to. I know I kind of ping ponged uh, all over the place there. More pinball. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's just great that you you've got more possibilities. And I mean, I don't know. I'm going to have some fun learning more and I'm going to find out whenever we get a chance to see it. Just how right or wrong I, I really, really hmm. was. Uh we're going to take a quick ad break because we've got streaming and TV news and then we're going to move right into comics. So hang out, catch up on all the great news. The DC home office, DC comics news home office is bringing your way and we'll be here when you come back. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor in chief of DC comics news here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5. DCNEWS35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News. Here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform Subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. The complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. 
And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) Off the the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. All right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And just like that, as promised, we are back. We've already covered all of the movie news. We are heading into TV and streaming. If for some reason you got distracted quick reminder this is the dc comics news weekly podcast episode number 107 and you're about to hear a lot more news about dc comics so buckle up hang on it gets pretty wild especially with this new announcement coming from cw about a pilot ordered for a wonder comic that took my breath away and is one of those reasons why brian michael bendis can get a lot of people upset but on this one He has my respect. It's the announcement of a pilot for Naomi. Brad, what was your take, my friend? I am very excited. Um, You know, and I I, when we originally talked about this is that it was in development. Um, You know, I mentioned and I'll repeat myself that uh, it seems a perfect fit for the CW. So I'm, I'm. kind of glad it ended up there and it was and it was a book that i think all of us on the podcast talked about how much we liked it so i'm very glad we're gonna get to see more and i hope this kind of you know kicks the second season of this comic series into high gear so that we can uh we can see that because i i i think bendis had said that um that they were going to keep continuing on so um, I hope they hope that that happens. But, yeah, I would definitely tune in uh, to see this. So I, I, I do hope it gets picked up. Uh, what was your take? I agree. And you were right then and you're still right now, my friend. Um, <laughs> the timing couldn't be better and the story couldn't be more appropriate. I mean, it's it it's one of those that you pick it up. And for me, it was just like turning each page and smiling. It was full of all the joy and wonder 
for a Wonder Comics title, it's exactly what you want to experience through it. It was magical. And I love that after it ended, she popped up in places like Young Justice, where she was hilarious. Uh, I think in Action Comics, she showed up at least once. I know she added an interaction with both Superman and Batman that was timeless. I mean, <laughs> and I love the fact that she's a character who might not. I mean, she's a teenager, so there's going to be a degree of like, you know, uh, maturity that's in the process of being, you know, uh, cemented. But there's also this degree of comfort with her just sort of speaking her mind. And to like Batman, Superman, just sort of having that great, you know how when you're a teenager, you know everything and you're so quick and smart <laughs> and you're so adorable when you talk to other people because you just know it all. And she <laughs> has that ability, but she also has a respect because you also get to see this great relationship with her parents, an amazing story of possibility. And man, I, I, I definitely agree. Like there's great reasons to be excited for this. Um, and and this is one of those moments where I'm like, hey, this is why I love to be an optimist, because I love it when it happens and you can sort of just keep on cheering. You know what I mean? So uh, for me, this is uh, this is the time to celebrate, because up until then, it was like, you know, I'm optimist, but I'm hopeful because nothing's been confirmed. Now something's been confirmed and I can't help. I, I really can't help but get excited for it. And I'm also Excited for the fact that for those who write might feel like they can recognize certain faces throughout cinema, throughout film, are going to recognize, if not the name, most certainly the face of Angus McFadden, who is joining Superman and Lois, where he has been cast as Jor-El. So we know Jor-El is going to show up and we know who's going to be playing him. Brad, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that it would be very hard to do a Superman story without Joel, especially especially one that's focusing so much on family. And we know, you know, given what the, you know what we do know about this series, that it is going to focus heavily on the family. So you know, it, it's great that you know he's going to be involved. And you know, as far as Angus McFadden, yeah, I think that. People will be um, very impressed with what he what he brings. Uh, he definitely has a long and storied career. Uh, he played in the AMC's Turn, um, The Lost City of Z. Uh, he even played Orson Welles at one point. So, uh, and he was Robert the Bruce in Braveheart. So, you know, it's it's. He's, I think he's perfect for the role. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, what was your take? Great news. I think he's perfect for the role. I, I definitely think as the story that we're referencing, written <clears throat> by our very own Mr. Brad Flicky for DC Comics News, uh, you know, mentions that he has the gravitas and the experience. And I think you're dead on. I, I think you're totally on with that statement in this article. Um, I, I loved his presence. Oh, thank you. In, uh, yeah, my pleasure, man. I give credit where credit's due. Um, and I'm a fan of great writing, like all writers and readers are. And this is well written. I enjoy reading it. And I, I love that statement. It reminded me of the qualities that he displayed in roles like Robert the Bruce when he was in um, Braveheart. And, and, it was interesting to see that character go from a weaker stature to a stronger one. 
And I think he's got the presence. He also, for me, has echoes of the Russell Crowe version we saw of Jor-El in Man of Steel. And I like the idea of that sort of like feeling, that resonant connection between their appearances. Not much. It's not the strongest, but for me, it's there. And I, I think overall, he's someone who can bring a great presence to that. I think you're totally on with the fact that this is a family show. This is a show about Lois and Clark and their relationship to their sons, especially after they go through a sort of life change and become much closer because of that and facing challenges together. How then will we see Jor-El? Will we get any hints of what was going on in action comics? Will one of the boys suddenly age by 15 years? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Matt B. Lloyd, if you're out there listening, my friend, that one's for you, buddy. That one's for you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's kind of fun because it, it describes here in this story that it appears he's only going to show up as the uh, the conscious that or the the essence that still exists within the Fortress of Solitude. If he could later appear um, as he has in the comics, well, I think that could really ramp up some of the direction the story for this show might be taking. But Jor-El had a history that was once very concrete in comics and movies and everything else. And recent changes to it uh, have suggested the possibility. I mean, because it wasn't just that it was Doomsday Clock and others, you know, that he he could appear later on in television or movies differently than he has up to this point. I'm curious to see how that might play out. And also, I'm curious because while we were talking about a Bendis character in our story to lead off TV and streaming news, we're now talking about the fact that another Bendis project is coming to HBO Max, a cover TV series, and what it's about. Well, that's where it gets a bit fun. Brad, what do you think about this? This could be a lot of fun, um, uh, especially given the series and how there were kind of hidden clues that some of these characters might be real um, comic creators. So that will be fun to play with in in, in the series. And I really. You know, and, and I know that that Bendis can be polarizing. I, I personally, oh, eighty percent of the time, like his writing. Uh, I know there was some missteps in Superman and Action Comics these days, but um, overall, I I, I kind of like Bendis. But the fact that David Mack is going to direct seems very interesting, given, and it's and it's going to be animated. Uh, the fact that that he could bring the style that he brought to Kabuki would just be amazing. The possibilities could be so cool. So I, I would like to see what happens with the, uh, with the character designs and, and the look and the feel of the show could be very cool. Oh, what was your take? I mean, the concept is hilarious. And so it translates to television really well. I think, I think we've noted that one of the benefits of animation is the budget is not nearly as limiting. You know, you can draw things <laughs> and animate them for a lot cheaper than it takes to actually create them in a live action. So the opportunity for a bit of the fantastical and also this concept that essentially comic book creators are also CIA assets and that there could be references uh, in the series 
which were alluded to in the comic books, that these are actually based on known creators, real-life comic book writers, artists, letters, editors. Um, that That's just, I mean, not only is it, like, <laughs> rich material, but it's also an insider game of who is that, you know? Is that just, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Is that inside baseball, or is that just, like... Right having fun with the inside baseball people. Like, is that really fact or, <laughs> and yeah. you can really enjoy yeah. yourself with that. Right. So I think that's a, a really smart approach. Um, I mean, and as you said, there's been a lot that Brian Michael Bendis has done really well. Some that he hasn't done as well. I think with me, he's more in the 75% mark. Like I enjoyed some other stuff he did. I know, uh, you know, Steve J. Ray's mentioned a couple of times Batman Universe. I thought that was an interesting project. But then others like Pearl were beautifully wrought, but also uh, at times felt meandering. And with some of the other projects that I would, you know, uh, read of his, whether they were the independents. But then, like I said, man, Naomi nailed it. Yeah, like, exactly. Nailed it so and well that it, it makes him almost like forgivable for all the other stuff. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah. And another book. And I. And I reviewed this for the website, and I, I don't know who, how, uh, how the general fandom feels about it, but I really enjoyed Scarlet. Uh, I thought oh, Scarlet yeah. was a lot of fun as well. So I think between Naomi and Scarlet, those are uh, personally my two favorite things that he's done uh, recently, for sure. Definitely, no, that's a smart one. Good addition there. Yeah, so there's these ones that are so strong that you stack up the mistakes and you go, not every creator is going to get it right every time. You know, plus I got to give credit to the fact that he he's launched not only Wonder Comics, but uh, Jinx World. Like, you know, you, you, you got to recognize the fact that the guy's swinging big, if nothing else. Doesn't mean they're always going to connect. They're not always going to be home runs. But man, when they are pretty impressive stuff. And I think when you look at a body of work, it can be a really great way to reference, you know, how well a creator or an actor stands up over time. Now, for me, John Wesley Shipp is always going to be one of those actors who is the gold standard. Like, he can do no wrong for me. Uh, I loved him when he first portrayed The Flash in the 90s on, uh, I think it was CBS. And I loved, you know, the fact that I didn't watch Dawson's Creek, but I knew that every once in a while, if I... Went to my friend's house and they were watching it. Suddenly I would see him on there. And then I've loved him since he came to the flesh. Well, guess what? John Wesley Shipp just can't stop running. And he'll be soon appearing on season two of Stargirl. I've been blathering like crazy. I'm going to stop because I'm sure Brad has some thoughts. Your thoughts, my friend. I love, 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 love this. Um, Perfect casting. It's great to keep him in, in the flash world. And it's, it's back to long live the omniverse. I, I, I just love the idea that these characters can kind of be placed in different shows and it still has that kind of running connective tissue. And it's just, uh, yeah, I love this idea. And it is that, that 90s series is so beloved by fans that he will always have a place in a lot of fans' hearts as, as you just demonstrated. So yeah, uh, I, I absolutely love this. So once again, I will say, what's your take? <laughs> pure joy, pure, absolute 
bliss. I got to meet him a couple years back at a Comic Con uh, just up north from here. And oh, I miss cons. Yeah, man, that was. I mean, and he was pure magic. In fact, I was so swept up. He later did a Q and A, and I just sat down, and started taking notes, and I was like, I'm writing this up for DC Comics News. I'll, I messaged Josh later, like, Hey, you want to drop in? Because I got an article and. This guy's just magic. I mean, he's such a great presence. I love he's like one of those people that I'll go on Twitter to like check out because he always has something wonderful and inspirational. He's always just such a conscientious person. And he seems to like really have connected with his most authentic, not only self, but awareness, because it feels so genuine every time he does anything. So him showing up on the show Providing that continuity that we had from the Flash TV show now into Stargirl as the Justice Society's Flash. But also, interestingly enough, it appears as though he'll be showing up as part of a flashback episode. So it's not like he'll actually, at the moment, appear to have a direct exchange with Stargirl. Although there's nothing better than a flashback that then leads to uh, a real-time, present-day exchange. We'll, we'll see, as it's been suggested, all of this Justice Society were wiped out in the Stargirl universe. But whether or not that actually holds true, you know, Justice Society, Justice League, they've been declared dead before. And I don't know what to tell you. Phoenix and Ashes. I think this is a great story. I've loved Stargirl so much on its own. Adding John Wesley's ship, yeah, it's it's just a blessing. And yeah, Brad, he 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 nailed it in the '90s. That man is gold. He can do no wrong in my eyes. So <laughs> I'm gonna be watching. Something I can't be as certain about yet is the recent announcement from HBO Max about the Aquaman King of Atlantis. Now I've been aware of some chatter in the DC Comics news. Uh, community and not everyone loved this first image and questions have been raised about the story however i do see because i'm optimistic some bright points i'll get to those in a minute but first you're going to hear from brad what was your take my friend oh yeah this is uh i'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical um the designs seem a little silly um if that's the right word you know how everybody got all upset when they saw the designs for uh, Thundercats Roar, how everybody was upset? I, I kind of got that vibe from this. Um, so I'm just not quite sold yet. But one, you were talking about bright points, and one bright point for me is that um, James Wan is involved and is executive producer. So to me... That seems like a positive. Uh, I guess another negative could be that uh, <laughs> back to Thundercats Roar, the he, the co-showrunner is the um, he, he also worked on Thundercats Roar. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so uh, what did you think? So this is my bright point. Um, I looked at the image and I thought, yes, silly is exactly the right word. And it looks silly and cartoony. And then I immediately thought of the hilarity that we have expounded on in our, uh, <laughs> um, oh, what is it? Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> like, how crazy is that show? How over the top, R-rated ridiculous is that show? And this is HBO Max. And the look of these characters gave me a 
Archer slash satirical Rick and Morty kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Like not yeah. only the the look of Aquaman, but also I'm guessing that's Mira uh, on the mm-hmm. right. And they both appear cartoony, but they also have these very snarky, clever, you know, we're trouble looks. So to me, it feels like this could be very outlandish, very over the top and a bit more of the sort of crude and enjoyably so variety of of storytelling we've had from uh, Harley Quinn. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't really tell, you know, but that's definitely a possibility. But what is up with Mira's unibrow? That is just downright distracting. <laughs> it, it really is. And I hope it's something that's referenced in the story. You know yeah. what I mean? She's yeah. like, you know, I would have won that uh, Miss Miss Underwater if it wasn't for this damn unibrow or something like that. It'd be it'd be really funny if there was just some sort of reference to it. Or it's a family trait. We wear it proudly. Or I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> it's pretty significant. It's like, is that her eyebrows or, you know, is there a caterpillar that's just sadly stuck and died and turned black? Uh, <laughs> you know what? Find the story. Find the picture. You let me know what you think. Is it a true unibrow? Is it a dead caterpillar? Let the debate begin. Uh, <laughs> But that's the only hope I could really sort of take away, because otherwise it just seemed really silly. And it's it's one of those things where, yeah, I want to be excited because of what you mentioned. James Wan is on as executive producer, but executive producers aren't always on the ground floor. And then you've also mentioned that, you know, a project that was derided, it appears to a degree, in regards to Thundercats Roar is... uh, part of this project because one of the showrunners from that is also a co-showrunner on this. I don't know what that means for marrying the possibilities together, but my hope is if it lands on the satire side, it, it might really work out because otherwise, man, I just see rough seas ahead. Yeah. Steve, you should be here. I was going to start punning, but I'll let it go. I'll let it go. That's not the only thing we have from HBO Max though. We also have reports of a new Constantine series. But it's a casting announcement as well that appears to potentially move out of the possibility of Matt Ryan being a part of it. What could it involve? Well, let's dig into that with Brad and me. Brad, you take. I want to be hopeful. Um, I, I think this is just a little bit too early i do like the idea that they're saying it's going to be a darker version than we've seen before because i think that constantine definitely deserves a darker take and i do like the idea that bad robot is uh is attached so uh yeah um we will see i um you know the the idea of uh riz ahmed uh playing him being involved is really cool because I don't know if you or anybody listening has seen Sound of Metal yet, but he was great in that in that film. That was probably one of the best movies of 2020. So um, definitely check that out. But he, he he would do a great job too. So, uh, but I'm gonna hold off a little bit of hope until we get more solid. You know that this is definitely happening, but I I I, I hope it does. Uh, what did you think? I. 
I'm going to stay on the hopeful side, mostly because I've I've been pretty pleased with uh, the stuff that J.J. Abrams, Bad Robot, has put together. And I also know that, as it's mentioned in this story, he's been part of discussions for a Justice League Dark project. So if this is maybe a precursor to that being, you know, uh, formalized in some way or uh, in some way connecting the two projects, I think it's a really smart move. Um, we recently saw that. Suicide Squad ended up spinning out of it a Peacemaker series. So it would make sense then for Abrams to consider the possibility of doing the same thing with the Justice League Dark Constantine. I think Riz Ahmed uh, is a great choice from what I saw from Rogue One, but I haven't seen Sound of Metal. So I, I like the fact that for those interested in why this type of character or actor as this character is being suggested should potentially take a look at Sound of Metal and a listen and uh, let us know what you think. Brad just said it's one of the best films of 2020. Brad doesn't make stuff up. I don't know if you've been on the show before, <laughs> if you've listened, but he just doesn't do that. In fact, I'm the ridiculously optimistic side. He's the more grounded side. So the man is saying something that I think is tantamount to like gospel. So just start singing along with the choir, man, and go check out Sound of Metal. Tell us what you think. Is this who you would like to see playing Constantine in an upcoming project? Are they rushing too far fast? I, I'm curious to see how it all works out because I think, I think Abrams has the chops to pull those two together and that would make the most sense to me because I think there would be a lot of connected strengths in there and I wouldn't want to miss that opportunity. I would love to hear that Matt Ryan was somehow still being a part. I feel like he, brought that character to life, not only in his original series, but then later on Arrow, and then most wonderfully on Legends of Tomorrow, where he really gets to just have so much fun. But more Constantine to me is a good thing, so I'll, I'll, I'll hold out any other thoughts and judgments until we either get more casting news, more story news, or maybe even a trailer. And for our final story in our TV and streaming news, we have the announcement that Allison Araya Lenny Jacobson are joining the Peacemaker series for HBO Max that I was just talking about. Now, Brad's generally had a lot of great things to say so far. Let's see what he's got this time. You're up, my friend. You know, I, I, I have said that, you know, how much I like how quickly this, this production's coming together as well. It seems like every week we have new casting news. And part of me's thinking, well, they must, you know, the powers that be at Warner Brothers really must know that people are going to like Suicide Squad to be rushing this production so quickly. But what I don't take into account is the draw that John Cena has. So maybe they know it's going to be hit just because he's involved. But either way, I think it's great how quickly this is all coming together, considering the fact that it was kind of conceived of and written very uh, quickly during COVID. So I think um yeah i i think that we're in for a treat with this series i think the tone's going to be really funny and over the top like we've talked about with harley quinn so yeah i i like i i can't say i'm familiar with these actors work but i i love the idea that this is really coming together now what was your take i think this is a great announcement i think one of the things that's really catching my attention and you sort of brought it to the forefront when you were talking about the fact that how quickly this came together for a project that was written while James Gunn was working through uh, finishing up Suicide Squad. And with some of the downtime, this is something he wrote up 
pitched. And it makes me wonder if there isn't something more to Suicide Squad that the execs, the powers that be, have had a chance to see that we're all going to get to experience that's going to essentially sort of like make the convincing argument for this project to move forward as quickly as it has. And I'm wondering how much of it, I mean, so you know how when it comes to a lot of different positions, it has to do with experience, right? And one of those things that's really sticking with me right now is if you're going to go with a, a director or someone heading up a project, what's more impressive than someone who's completed a project under COVID restrictions who says they can do the same thing with a new project as well? Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like being mm-hmm. battle tested or being field ready. Um, I even right. love it in sports. They talk about game fitness, this whole idea of like there's what you practice and then there's what happens when practice hits the field. And this concept of, of what he's been able to accomplish with Suicide Squad, even while under the restrictions of COVID. And now what that understanding has allowed him to put into a pitch that says this peacemaker is going to work. It's going to be great. And you just saw Suicide Squad and now you're green lighting me. Like, I feel like there's a lot within that. And I'm hoping that one, we'll get to see more of it when Suicide Squad is available for us all to enjoy. I hope that it's also one of those projects that, like Snyder Cut, is going to be available internationally at the same time and that they're going to see that that's a smart way to go. Because I don't want to have to talk about another story where Steve's like, yeah, I'm not going to see it. Sorry. It's just not here. Thanks. Thanks again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, I think it's a great way for us to wrap up TV and streaming. Great time for us to take a quick break for our second ad break and give you a chance once again to hear more about what we've got going on, how you can be a part of it, and why it's stuff you simply don't want to miss. We're going to take that ad break. I guarantee we'll be here when you come back because we've got comic book news. We even have a couple of other news. Oh, I know. Curiosity peaked. Nothing to worry about. We'll be here when you come back. Enjoy the ads. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's DCNEWS35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. (laughs) 
Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Book, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents... Mad Love. The Harley Quinn Cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. As promised, here we are. <laughs> Always fun to just sort of pop right in after that break and be like, that's right, that's right, that's right. Comic book news, folks. DCN Comics News, episode number 107. Seth Singleton, Brad Felicki. You've been with us this whole time. You didn't go anywhere. That's why you know exactly who we are, why we're charging through comic book news, and why it's so much fun to talk about Justice League number 59, getting some very special varying covers. Brad, tell us more about these covers and why we're talking about them. Well, they are all tied into the Snyder Cut. So, you know, they're kind of keeping the promotion and, you know, the going, which is cool. Um, we get different focusing on different uh, characters. Uh, personally, my favorite cover is the one with the black suit of Superman and the Flash with Darkseid in the background. Although I in intrigued by the Wonder Woman Aquaman with Martian Manhunter in the background. So maybe that means that Martian Manhunter is going to be a bigger player in the movie than we originally thought. So that kind of that kind of intrigued me. Uh, what was your take? These are gorgeous for starters. Yes, connected to the the Snyder cut and in celebration. Um one I think the uh the Flash Superman with Darkseid in the background is an awesome one. But I was, it, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's totally escaping me. I was equally interested. I'll go with equally for now. Equally, if not more, by that that amazing cover that has, you know, John Johns, like right there up at the top. And I love the way the imagery is behind him. And then that feeling of Wonder Woman and Aquaman in the uh, forefront. It's a gorgeous one. I, I, I agree with you. I hope it means that he's going to play a more prominent role in uh, the story. And I'm, I'm curious how that might be part of what we're going to see as a, a new experience um, for viewers on this 
this concept of, of what was actually happening and how he's going to play a part and how prominent that part is. I'm hoping from this cover that uh, it is as big as this cover suggests. And man, it just makes me more excited for what we haven't seen yet. And as we've said before, until March 18th, that's probably not going to go away. However, in the meantime, there are things that we can find to help us bide the time past the minutes and seconds. And one is the fact that Batman 89, you know the movie, we've talked about it enough, and Superman 78, a movie that is so iconic that I loved reading recently that even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, they'll require all of the members of the crew for a Marvel movie to watch that movie to see how it's done correctly before they do one. Uh, <laughs> These are two iconic figures, and now they're coming together in the pages of comic books. Brad, what was your take on this announcement and uh, what it means for readers? You know, I, I, I don't think it's possible to, to overstate the importance of both the 89 Batman movie and the 78 Superman movie. Uh the Superman movie brought a whole new generation into comics and show, and it showed that it is possible to bring these characters to life in the big screen and have it be successful and people will love it. Batman 89 completely changed everything in a sense in that every summer since then, there was at least one comic book based movie that has come out. Granted, not all of them are great, of course, but um, every single summer there's been at least one and Batman really opened those doors and I personally loved um, Tim Burton's vision of Gotham and it'll be so much fun to see how other villains are kind of portrayed in, in that world and you know how those characters are going to be designed will be so much fun um, to watch and to see and I will say that um you know, I, I always kind of wished that there was uh, a continuation of Nolan's trilogy. Uh, and maybe if these are successful, which I, I'm sure they will be, they, they can maybe even move on to go re-explore that world. Because I, 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 you know, when Heath Ledger died, I was, you know very torn on the idea of the Joker because I understood that there's no way to bring him back because, you know, just because of, you know, just re out of respect to Heath Ledger. But to an extent, that character that he created, that version of the Joker was so incredible, so iconic that it was a shame that we only saw that little bit. And if there's a writer out there that could really continue that path to see what happened with that character in a way that can be respectful, I, I would love to see that. So I hope that, you know, it, it, the the potential from this is great. And it, it's just going to be so much fun to to revisit the worlds of the 89 Batman and 78 Superman. So, yeah, um, this might be one of those things that I read before I get to the cash register at the uh, at the comic shop. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What, what did uh, what did you think? I think this was a really smart announcement. Um, and I, I think you tapped into something with the idea of continuing on the, uh, the Nolan verse as well. I think his version of Batman had storylines that are just waiting to be picked up and would do, um, 
I think, a great service in comics. Uh, whether or not, you know, we went on to see uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt um, take on, I think I, I think I remembered his name correctly. I, I don't know. I've, mm-hmm. I've botched it mm-hmm. once. Okay, thanks. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, you know, there was the, the Robin reference. There was, there were all these possibilities. What would happen with that, that Earth's, that universe's uh, Catwoman? There, there's a lot to be picked up there, and it would have been interesting to see how it continues. And I think comics could still provide that in the future. But yeah, I love the idea of picking up these stories. I love the uh, the setup. It's going to be uh, six issues immediately, and then another six, all digital, and then all combined 12 stories into six issues that will be physically printed later over the summer. Um, I'm also cheered on by the fact that Rob Venditti and uh, Wilfredo Torres are going to do the Superman book. Um, yeah. Venditti's been on a tear. I mean, what that guy did with Hawkman is groundbreaking. Right. And what he's done yeah, with Justice League and all the other, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, ah, the guy's really got his finger on the pulse and he's been, he's been delivering gold. And I think he's someone who can really bring this Superman 78 to life. Uh, I think the same can be said for the creators of the Batman 89 comic. I think it's just so smart. Um, I mean, <laughs> Sam Hamm, Joe Quinones, you know, you've got masters working in their craft and they're, they're, they're bringing us these moments that we love. I I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think uh, you won't be the only one who's reading them in the store before they even get to the register and then reading them at home again once they're, like, comfy on the couch or in the comfy chair. It's sort of like, yep, let's do that again. That was nice. That was nice. And I'm comfy. Uh, <laughs> overall, uh, really exciting news. And just one of those things that – really connects with stuff brad you were saying you know both of these films were ones that set the standard you know one for superman for the first superhero movie to really just define what you want in a superhero movie and then batman 89 for what it meant for the summer superhero blockbuster uh boy great traditions to pick up carry on in the pages of comics and an interesting precursor to our next story a slap in the face, a welcome to the Metalverse finale. Brad, what was your take on this story? Uh, this is, yeah, this is uh, fun. Um, I noticed like a few names like Andy Bersack, who's the singer for Black Veil Bride. So there's a big music connection between this, keeping that kind of in the whole music metal realm. So it's kind of fun to see them get involved. I, I And I, I really like when, you know, people from other areas that you might not necessarily think of as being comic fans that they really come out and show their fandom. So yeah, these, um, these were kind of, it was kind of fun to watch and a good little addition to the whole death metal universe. So yeah, these were, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, what was your take? Really interesting concept, really uh, a lot of fun. And if you get a chance, go check out the article on dark Knight news because not only do they have this one, the uh, episode number seven, a slap in the face, this video of the comic book pages set to music, but they've got all the precursors, all the ones that came before listed on that same article. Uh, it's a really fun one. And I, I really was intrigued by the idea. I hadn't you know, been following any of this. And so when it popped up, it was like, oh, this is new. What's this? And, you know, it's something you can easily get lost in. Like, 
very easily. <laughs> great, great music, great visuals. Um, really interesting thing that I clearly had not been paying attention to. And now, well, you've got my attention. Guess what? <laughs> However, what I love about it is that that's talking about how the final chapter, talking about a series that we all enjoyed, uh, has just been released so you can remember and reflect on that. And while it's great to look back, there's nothing quite the same as looking ahead. And DC has just announced 11 surprise new 2021 titles. There's quite a few in there. Deathstroke, Elseworld, Robin, Batman, DC Middle Ages. Brad, which ones caught your attention? Oh, I will say it again, again and again, that this is a great time to be a DC fan. Uh, some of these look <laughs> so much fun. I hope that that Harley Quinn animated series sequel is a black label book, because if it's not, that's just a What's totally wasted opportunity. <laughs> right. And I, you know, there are, um, a few good comics that are based on, um, cartoons. Uh, one of them being Adventure Time. And when I would read the Adventure Time comic, I could hear the characters' voices as I was reading it. And I hope that the Harley Quinn is written so well that I, you know, that I just hear those characters' voices because I, you know, I, I just love the voice performance in that show so much. So that'll be a lot of fun. I did, so I, I really hope that one's good. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, you know, and I'm curious about the Elseworld. Um, you know, especially that it's, you know, focused on the new DC Omniverse. I'm sure the Wonder Woman 80th anniversary title is going to be great. Um, I'm curious about the Puzzle Box Joker series. Oh man, uh, Nubia and the Amazons. And I'm really curious about the DC Middle Ages. So yeah, this is some good stuff. And, you know, Steve might want to slap me in the face for saying this, but, you know, we got more Batman series. So I hope we're not just, you know, spreading that butter a little thin. On the whole Batman thing, are we? Are, is he overexposed? Uh, we'll see. But you know, uh, we all love the character, so yeah, um, I'm sure there'll be you know something you know good to enjoy about even all these new Batman series. So yeah, 2021 is yet another year where it's great to be a DC fan. Uh, what was your take? Spread that butter. Just spread that butter. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's just my little animated self reference there. Uh, for anyone else who knows what I'm talking about, you just you just go ahead and enjoy with me. Spread that butter. Go ahead. Um, a lot of great titles on here. All the ones you mentioned. I mean, Elseworlds probably one that really gets my attention the most. Uh, the Elseworld titles were something that just brought so many new possibilities in the '90s and and showed me characters I wanted to read more of and universes and possibilities and. Now we get the chance to start exploring this, you know, version of Elseworld through the whole DC Omniverse and one day maybe getting a, a teaser for what the other half of that Omniverse is. Uh, the Wonder Woman 80th anniversary title seems brilliant. Deathstroke, uh, the, uh, what was it? Knights and Dragons animated really caught my attention with some possibilities mm-hmm. of where we could later see them going. Um, man, the, uh, Oh, goodness. The recent comic series that had Deathstroke, um, and I'm totally blanking on the writer's name because he sometimes just goes by one name and totally escaped my mind at the moment. Um, but recent 
Destro products have really introduced the possibility of seeing him branch out as a character. This idea of a Deathstroke ink, especially after we had the bad ink concepts a little while back, uh, is a really fun uh, thing to look at. You're totally right about the Harley Quinn. It better be Black Label, or seriously, what's the point? Um, Newbie and the Amazons sounds amazing. DC Middle Ages is going to work better for me if it captures the spirit that we've all talked about with, like, the League of Agents. You know what I mean? That was something that looked at history yeah. in a really fun, um, through a really fun lens. And I would love to see this work, but, you know, sometimes when I've seen some of these other things, like, you know, over in the other title, their Savage Avengers just did not hit well with me when I took a glance at it. And there was huh. a, another DC product that seemed like it was set in the past that it didn't ring as true. So I want DC Middle Ages to work. Newbie in the Amazons. I'm also curious about Crush and Lobo. When Lobo showed up in Titans recently, man, he, he made Crush like just he broke her yeah. numerous times. And so I'm curious to see how that relationship would play out in a title, how they would be partnered together and what that dynamic would be like in storytelling. Now, as far as the Batman stuff. Go ahead, man. You sound like you want to add on it. Oh, I was going to say that, yeah, um, you know, you brought up a good point with Crush and Lobo. I kind of was didn't really pay much attention to that because I, you know, I can, you know, give or take Lobo generally. But you're right. The, that dynamic could be really, really fun to explore. And I think it would be cool in the Middle Ages if somehow we see that the Court of Owls went back that far and they're still kind of pulling strings, like a new Illuminati type of conspiracy kind of thing would be kind of fun to explore with that. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, definitely some great potential. Yeah. I mean, also League of Assassins, you know, what's their role in the DC Middle Ages? Where do we get a chance to maybe, you know what I mean? Just sort of. And also the thing that works for me with the whole DC Middle Ages is the, uh, the concept of superstition was so rampant. You know, there were so many ideas and theories and it was like magic and danger and evil were everywhere. And yeah. you know what I mean? How do you tell that through a comic in a way where maybe you can make that into like, what if there's a thing that DC middle ages is fighting that makes the dark ages, the middle ages. So, you dark. know, that, that uh, brings to mind, you know, you said that Savage Avengers didn't really land with you, but if you haven't read it, and one way that, you know, that, that dealing with that superstition thing is check out the Marvel 1602. So if, which is written right by uh, Neil Gaiman. So if DC Middle Ages takes more of that route, that could be, you're right, that could, that's another good point. That could be very cool. I'm hopeful, man. As, as you know, as you've heard me say, I'm more than one acquit. <laughs> and then uh, I think really when it comes to the three Batman titles, Robin and Batman, Joker, a puzzle box and the legend of Batman, it feels like this would be that kind of thing where if they're telling original takes on the characters, this would be an opportunity to really show us just how different those takes could be in an omniverse where these could all be titles set on different worlds, right? Yep, absolutely. So that definitely like makes me think, okay, I'm willing to consider a lot of these properties um, more than I might have initially, but um, it's because of certain things that I'm hoping they explore. And if they don't, well, then, well, I'll have comments later. How about that? <laughs> In uh, our final DC Comics, comics news story, um, 
Actually, that was, sorry, our final DC Comics News comic story. Sometimes I get, well, so adorable. You just have to enjoy me for who I am and what I am. And the adorable just comes with it. However, because that was our final one, we still have two stories in the other category. And the first one has to do with my favorite, Mr. Flash. And he's coming to Fortnite. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't play Fortnite. But if you do, this might be something that catches your interest. Brad, I know you like to game a bit. Is this something that uh, do you play Fortnite? Is this a character you would be interested in picking up? I I have uh, played uh, Fortnite with uh, my nephew, um, and it's fun to play around with the different skins and things like that that you can use. And uh, they do they do bring in characters like um, the Mandalorian, so it is kind of fun to watch them do that. And I think bringing the Flash in makes makes sense. And hopefully, it's like one of those things that. Is it is what also gets kids into comics, you know, because that there's so much, you know, so many things out there that are battling for kids attention that it's fun to use these like things like video games to get kids into comics as well, because it makes sense that they like Fortnite, that they might be into comics. So I like I like using those characters as a way to get people interested. So, um, yeah, overall, I think that um, it's it's a win-win kids will have fun playing it and maybe it'll get kids to collect comics so yeah i i I like the idea i think it's really a lot of fun too um you know i mean it's got the fourth season costume uh it sounds like uh the coffee shop might be the setting otherwise known as cc jitters um (laughs) and some fun elements that i think are really interesting i would probably do that thing that i've heard steve mention where I'd find someone who's playing the game and then knew that they were going to put on the skin of the character. And I'd be like, well, we can watch. And maybe if I want to run out as the Flash for a minute, give me the controller. But, yeah, I don't have a system, so I, I don't get, you know, uh, the opportunity to engage with it um, with the game or with the characters in this format. But I love the idea of it branching out, and I loved what you added. Introduce the character to wider and wider audiences and see how many more are going to like the character as much as i do or even if they don't as much you might still find them crossing closer into the dc comics world final story for us finishing things off here in the other news the announcement that san diego comic-con has canceled in-person WonderCon for 2021 i'm not terribly surprised by this but you don't tune in just to listen to me brad what was your take yeah, it didn't surprise me at all. Um, given given the fact that they also run, um, you know, Comic Con, it, it, it kind of makes sense that they didn't, you know, push it back at all because pushing it back might compete with either Comic Con or New York Comic Con, and I, I think they're kind of waiting till the last minute to cancel those. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me that they canceled it. It is a shame. I hope that I'm really hoping that things turn around so that at least at some point this year we can get into the you know back to the in person cons because we we all miss them so much. So um, it's a shame, but necessary and and expected. So you know it's just just another punch we have to roll with these days uh, what was your take for me it's one of those things that 
I am surprised it took this long to announce. Now, I, I know that the story makes a great point of revealing that, um, you know, there's a facility, the San Diego Convention uh, Center, is currently being used for things like COVID-19 patients that, um, you know, there's a hope to resume things there. But for me, it feels like this is the year of still playing it safe. When in doubt, why risk it? You know, we've we've seen how quickly uh, anything that uh, involves a small group growing larger can be a major issue for spreading and things like that. We know that vaccines are still in the process of being rolled out. We know that not everyone's getting it. We know that even with a vaccine, there still has to be a series of precautions. And we still know that much like we were experiencing before, what we don't know outweighs what we do. And right now, it seems like the smartest thing we can do is keep playing it safe until we have enough information to engage publicly as safely as possible. I also think that we saw some stuff with Fandom. We saw some stuff with uh, a couple of the other projects throughout the summer that really showed just how good an online experience can be. And I would love to see WonderCon take advantage of that as an online platform to take note of all the things others have done so well and have the chance to show it to us this year. And I, I think for right now, the idea of uh, a face-to-face con, it, it just has too much uncertainty. So I wasn't surprised. I'm, I'm hopeful for how we can still, you know, give people platforms and places to gather as a community and to celebrate and to share. Um, but I also know, you know, it's early and I'm pretty okay with being patient. I've got that optimism thing going for me and somehow it, it also uh, couples page with patience really well. Any other thoughts on this one, Brad, or any of the stories we've been talking? You know, you just that I totally agree. You hit on a great point that, I I hope that these producers of these virtual events took a uh, few pointers from fandom because out of all the virtual cons that uh, you know we went to, if you for lack of a better phrase, or watched you know online participated in, fandom was far and away the absolute best one. It it's the one that felt the most like a con. I just loved what they did with it. So I hope that these other events can take some pointers. I agree, man. It was so smart. It was so well executed. I love that even it was so fluid in that once the original schedule was announced and people were like, oh, my God, how do I (laughs) how do I enjoy all of this in such a short period of time that they went, hey, you know what? Change of plans. We're going to do this one now. And then in September, we're going to do a second half. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. We got no. We'll adapt. Right. Like that was probably the most important thing. And I'd say if anything, the 2020 taught a lot of people was how to be adaptable, how to recognize there's what you want and then there's what you want to happen. And then there's how you try to figure out how to marry those two together, because, you know, you know that there's restrictions, you know that there's limitations, but limitations aren't the end. They're just a recognition of how you need to do things differently. And fandom did so much so well i love topping on with you guys with josh doing those video group calls those were 
so much fun. And I just love seeing stuff mm-hmm. like, hey, we still haven't heard whether or not Harley Quinn was going to be uh, renewed. And then we had that beautiful video with her with just the, the most potty mouth <laughs> yeah. tirade. Yeah. I mean, there were so many great people. I mean, what about the the Batwoman moment where they were having fans submit the costume design ideas and she was like engaged with Sherry? I mean, so many wonderful points, as you pointed out. So much to enjoy. And if WonderCon takes even uh, a percentage of that and puts it into their show, we're going to love the online experience. And we're going to know that the physical experience is coming again, just like everything else that will eventually return in a different way. But in the meantime, you know, the fact that we can still enjoy it, the fact that we've seen how well it can be done and that it's a possibility, I, I really think is the way to go forward for right now. So, uh, more than anything, I'm curious to see what WonderCon has learned and what they can show us in 2021. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for me. Final thoughts as well on anything else we talked about before we wrap this one up, my friend? No, I think we uh, we covered a lot of angles. Nice. I agree. I think we did so. Uh, big thanks to our editor-in-chief, Mr. Josh Rayner, for giving us this amazing list of stories to uh, kind of chew through, digest a little bit, share with you. I've been lucky enough to hang out with you through all of these stories and hear the amazing insights of my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brad Felicki. You might want to hear more of what he has to say. I've always got questions for the guy after shows, during the week, whatever. If you do, Brad's a gentleman. He's going to let you know how you can find him. Brad, how did they do that? Uh, you can find me writing news and reviews on uh, DC Comics News. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. And you can also hear me on the Mad Love Podcast, part of the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And where can people find you? Man, good question. For starters, you can always look for me at DC Comics News. You can catch me writing reviews. You can find me hanging out here with the gang on the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. You can find me on most occasions with them on the uh, Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. And you can also catch me hosting my weekly Spinner Rack, my top five pick from DC Comics each and every week. Uh, I'm also on Twitter as One More Singleton and on the wider web. Uh, just type in Seth Singleton, the word story into a search engine and send me a message when you find me. That's how to find us individually. However, if you want a message for the entire group, go to your favorite platform, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. All you need is the at symbol in DC Comics News. That's at DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Put that all together. Tag us. Let us know what you're thinking. And the whole team is going to hear what you have to say. And we can't wait to hear your thoughts on all the topics we just discussed. Make sure you never miss out on a new episode of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, the Mad Love Harley Quinn cast, and the Batman the Animated Series I Am the Night. Those are both episode-by-episode breakdowns of wonderful animated uh, productions. You've got the Harley Quinn cast features uh, the crew breaking down each episode. I Am the Night stars our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray breaking down Batman the Animated Series episode by episode. You've also got DCN After Dark now on YouTube featuring its fifth episode. Just debuted on Friday. Subscribe to that. You'll make sure you never miss out on that. Hosted by our very own Kelly Gaines. And soon to be coming your way Flicky Fashions. Trust me, it's happening. <laughs> I've been digging into this guy for so long. It's just a matter of time before I break him down. 
And all you have to do, whatever platform you're listening on, you hit the subscribe button. And that's how you're guaranteed to catch all the best, all the new, all the content from DC Comics News. That pretty much covers everything. It's been so much fun hanging out with you here on episode number 107. Uh, I've been Seth Singleton. He's been Brad Flicky. We usually have just one final thing for you to remember before we send you off into the wonder. And that is to always read more comics. Comics. Oh, <laughs> man. You know how many times we've tried that, how rarely we get it that good. Trust us. Okay, we're on a roll. <laughs> Stay golden, everyone. See you next time.